Thank you uh, for having me, even though I know you had nothing to do with it. Um, sorry, i got to pull up my notes here. Um, so Steve asked me um, like a month and a half ago if I'd come and speak. He said he was going to be on vacation, so I assumed being a great husband, he was taking his family on some sort of beach vacation. And then I realized this morning that that was not the case. So, Steve, if you actually go back and listen to this, man, I wish I'm glad to be here, but I also wouldn't have mind the invite to the uh, pastor's fishing trip <laughs> either. Take that a little personal. Um, like Randall shared, uh, I work at the UJ Wesley Foundation and um, married, have uh, three daughters. And my oldest daughter uh, just turned 10 last week. And she is gone this weekend on her first church camp, really excited about it. She's a little nervous about it. And when she was packing, there was one thing that we had to pack. We had to make sure we had in her bag. And it wasn't um, a Bible. It wasn't even her clothes. What, what, What she was concerned she had to have packed was her blanket. And it's, this is the blanket that she's had forever. And, um, and it's not that she wants to actually sleep with the blanket because I think, you know, being 10, she's starting to be, she's like, well, I don't want people to see me with, but she just like wants it in her like bag. So she knows that if she needed the blanket, it would like be there, you know, like she needed the blanket in proximity. And this blanket is not anything special. If you were to look at it, like if it was just laying on the ground right here, you'd be like, what is that? Right. Because it's like discolored. It's got some rips in it. It's got a lot of stains on it. Like if I were to give you this blanket, be like, I got you this gift here. You'd be like, what? You don't like me? You know, like it's not the type of thing you would give as a gift because to you, it's not valuable at all. Right. To you, it's not valuable to you. It'd be completely replaceable. If you if I gave that to you as a gift, you'd probably accidentally leave it. You know, have you ever gotten those gifts before? You're like, oh, thank you so much. Oh, I left it at your house. You know, my bad. It'd be like one of those things, because if you needed another blanket, you would just go down to Walmart. You you know, this this blanket have no value for you. Completely replaceable. But that blanket, why it's so valuable to us is because it was actually my wife's blanket when she was a kid. And so she slept with it her whole life, even after we got married, which I thought was a little strange. And apparently that's a thing that people continue into adulthood to sleep with like blankets and stuff. I didn't know that was a thing. But as I talk about this, people always are like, yeah, I have one of those. I'm like, all right, fantastic. Didn't know that was a thing, but that's a thing. And so then when we had our oldest daughter, she pla- she passed that blanket down to Nora. And so that blanket's very important to us. Right. And when that blanket gets lost, which it does, because if, if you have children, if you're around children, if you have the heart of a child, you realize that kids lose things all the time. Right. And then when Nora comes downstairs, you know, like at 10 o'clock, all freaked out and we're like, what's going on? She's like, I can't find blankie. And we have to stop what we're doing immediately because we have to find that thing. Why? Because to us, that blanket is incredibly valuable and it's irreplaceable. Right. You look at that blanket and it's completely replaceable and it has little to no value. But to us, it's irreplaceable and it has tons of value. Now, I want you to imagine uh, I want you to put yourself in a situation. 
Uh, imagine, like, well, you don't have to imagine this part. Imagine you were in worship just a few minutes ago. And imagine you heard the audible voice of God, and you looked around, and you were like, is no one else hearing this? And you knew that God himself was speaking to you in this audible voice. And it was like, Daniel, I'm about to teach you something of irreplaceable value. You'd be like, this is amazing. God, thank you for wanting to teach me something that has irreplaceable value. Thank you so much. And then maybe if you're like me, your mind would start wondering, oh, wow, I wonder what it is. Maybe he's going to teach me about his love because that has irreplaceable value, right? God, teach me about your love. Maybe you're like, maybe it's about forgiveness. You know, maybe you're like, gosh, God, I need some forgiveness. I need to forgive other people. Maybe that's what it is because that has irreplaceable value, right? Maybe it's about your calling. You're like, God, I'm a little you know, short out on my career. I don't know what's next. And so, Lord, that would have incredible value for me. That's irreplaceable if you could tell me about my calling right now. All those things. But what if the audible voice that God spoke to you and was like, I'm going to teach you about something of irreplaceable value. I guess that's the voice of God in my mind, at least. Husky, you know, like 50-year-old man is kind of what it sounds like. He says, I'm going to teach you the value of endurance. You'd be like, what? Be honest. When was the last time when you took stock, when you did inventory of your spiritual life, where you thought, you know what I really need more of? Spiritual endurance. Like you don't you don't think about that. You'd be kind of like, what? Because in your mind, if your mind's like my mind, my mind would start going, well, endurance equals endure. Endure equals difficulty. Difficulty means hard and hard is bad. Right. I looked up a definition, some different definitions, entomologies of uh, of the word endurance. And one of my favorite, most descriptive definitions was called patient suffering. Right. When was the last time you were praying? You're like, God, I really would like an increase of patient suffering in my life. That's not something that we think to. That's not where our minds navigate towards, because the reality is this, is that. We all here, even though we're different ages, we come from different places, we have different backstories, we all know what it's like when life is hard. And I know this is obvious, but it's hard when life is hard. And that's usually not a place that we want to like go to that we're excited about, right? But the reality is, is we all know that the difficulties of life are coming at some point. You are either in a hard season or a hard season is going to come up at some point. And so what do you do with that? Have you lived the last 18 months? You know, like it's been a hard eight, you know, you have like hard months. It's been like a hard year and a half almost, you know, like it's been difficult. So what do you do with that? What do you do when life gets difficult? Because the reality is, is culture says the good life is found in things that are immediate and easy. If it's immediate and easy, then that's where the good life is found. Why do you eat at Chick-fil-A? They have a good chicken sandwich. It's not the best chicken sandwich. Why? Because it's like when you get onto property, it's like they automatically know your order. Like it's like you've been twice and they're like number two, extra crispy. And you're like, how did you know? And then 30 seconds later, you already have your food like they debit it. Like it's like you have a direct deposit right into Chick-fil-A. They just take the money out and you're out of the parking lot 30 seconds later and you're already eating your sandwich. Right. Why do we choose that? Because it's easy. And because it's immediate, why does the vast majority of people in this room have Amazon Prime? Because we can get it in two days. Could you imagine like 20 years ago being like, you're telling me I can get onto this computer, pick anything in the world, 
and it's going to be at my house in two days. And now we're upset about two days. Right now we're like, well, is there something else? Is there next day? Pick-? I'm going to have to go to Walmart for my same day pickup, you know, like because because we want immediate and we want ease. That is way, the way that the culture forms our soul. Right to where things have to be immediate and things have to be easy. And that's the good life. But we develop so we develop this mentality that hard equals bad. Right. If I'm going through something hard, then that is bad. If something becomes difficult, that is bad. Right. And so then we get into life and we experience the difficulties of life and life is hard sometimes. And so it leads us to ask the question, well, where is God in this? Or what we actually do, if we've been formed more by the culture than we have by God, then when we encounter difficulty or hard things, we automatically assume, well, that just must not be God. And so if, if, if the audible voice of God you know, were to come to you, I'm going to teach you the irreplaceable value of endurance. You're going to be like, what? What I'd like to suggest to you this morning is, is simply this, in the same way... That if I had brought, and I would have, if she wasn't at camp, I would have brought the blanket and shown y'all. You would see something that was incredibly, like, replaceable with little to no value. But we see it differently. When you think about spiritual endurance, it's probably not at the top of your head as something that really needs to be formed in your life. But I think God would say that it is something of irreplaceable value. This is why, if you look at Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5... This is what it says. It says we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And I want to break down these verses this morning. Because normally, at least as I've seen in life, when people have problems, they do one of three things, okay? One, and what we're going for here, is that when we have problems, that we would actually lean into God in the midst of those problems. That's why, that's what it's going for here in these verses, right? Where it says, hey, when you encounter difficulties and hard times, you can actually rejoice because that's the opportunity to endure. And enduring is leaning into God in the midst of those difficult circumstances, right? But usually what we often do is one of these other two responses is maybe we still come to church, maybe we still put on the happy face, but then we just deny, deny, deny that life is difficult you ever come here on a sunday morning hey how's everything going and in your mind you're thinking my marriage is falling apart great everything's great you sit there in worship and you're you're talking about how great god is and all you can think about is how your child wants nothing to do with you or you're sitting there and randall talks about if you have tithes or offerings you can give it on the way out and then you think i don't know how i'm going to make my mortgage next month But we just did not know everything's great. Life's not hard and it kills us on the inside. Or instead of leaning into God, you know, sometimes we deny, but sometimes we just lean into self-sufficiency. Right. Well, life's hard, so I got to do it. You know, time to buck up, pick myself up by my bootstraps. Time to time to do this in my own strength. Right. But what this verse is saying is that when we get into hard times, we have an opportunity of perspective. Perspective. 
We have the opportunity in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of when life is hard, to lean into God. And that's what endurance looks like. And the reality is this, is that when we lean into God, when we endure with him, when we reject the the cultural narrative that everything good has to be fast and easy, then what actually happens is that becomes the context in which God does the deepest formational work in our character. See, a lot of us in this room, I would venture to say, we're okay with God doing a deep work in our character. But we don't want to have to endure to get that. We want it immediate. And we want it right away. But the reality is this, is that God will often move slower in the processes in our life than we would prefer him to because the work he's doing in our heart at that heart transformational character level is deeper than you can imagine. Right? If you're going to grow something, what kind of soil do you need? You need rich soil that has plenty of room for those roots to go down deep. You see, this is how I think it could look is as Randall said, I work in campus ministry at UGA. And so I went to UGA in the mid-2000s, been on staff ever since. And in my time in Athens, UGA every year becomes a harder and harder school to get into, which is fantastic for my resume. I would never get into UGA ever. ever. I got in in 2003, the last day you could. They were like, you'll know by this day. And they didn't even decide on me that morning. I, would, I literally think I was the last person to get in. And so these kids come in and they're so smart. They are so smart. They have never failed in their life. They have never failed in their life. You meet all of them. They're all pre-med. Like they're all pre-med. You don't even have to ask what your major is like pre-med, right? And they come in with 50 hours. And so they're, you know, they're going to be there for two or three years. And so they come in as freshmen and they're immediately taking these really difficult pre-med classes. And they're used to being the smartest ones at their school. And so they come in ready to be like, oh, it's going to be like high school. I'm going to dominate this thing. And then they take their first, you know, like biology or chemistry test and they see a grade that they've never seen before. They're like, wow, that was weird. What is this? Like what? I didn't know a grade could come without a nine attached to it or a one zero zero. You know, it's like, you know, and these kids are like, I got a 54. Did you know you could get a 54 on it? And it's like, yeah, you do. You can get a 54 on the test. And so then they double down and they're like, okay, well, you know what? I'm, I'm cutting off all my social relationships. I'm not coming to Wesley anymore. I'm not doing any of that. We're going we're gonna to do this thing. I'm going to be a doctor because I'm going to be a doctor, right? And then they take the second test and the grade's even lower. And then they get in that place where they're like, God, this is hard. I thought I was supposed to be a doctor. I thought that's what you had for me. But I can't get into med school with these grades. What's up with that? And even though looking at y'all's ages, most of y'all are not pre-meds at UGA right now. That would be a really long commute for most of you, right? I did it this morning. Like in the morning, the commute's not too bad. But, you know, that'd be difficult. But you know that exact feeling. You know that feeling when your family life isn't the way you want it to be. And you're like, gosh, I didn't think this was going to be my life. When your financial situation is certain, when you're like, gosh, I didn't think this was going to be my life. Or there's some sort of issue in your life that keeps, you know, anger, a sin issue, anxiety that just keeps coming over and over. And you're like, I didn't know this was going to be my lot in life. And so then the question is, is what do you do in that situation? 
do you lean into God and be honest with him about how hard things are? Or do you put on the happy face and deny? Or do you lean into your own strength and become self-sufficient? Because what I see happen in students' lives all the time is that those who lean into God when life gets hard, that becomes, like we talked about, that fertile context for God doing work in that deep, deep, deep heart level. And it changes them. Right in the middle of that process of them, God, I thought I thought I was going to be a doctor, but these grades, what am I doing? You know, that sometimes God begins to reveal to them that their motives in wanting to become a doctor were, were selfish instead of instead of out of love and service. And so God does this deep heart work to, you know, repurpose their motives. You know, maybe during that time, sometimes God, when they're enduring with God and they're leaning into him, they realize it's like, wow, the only way I feel like I'm going to get affection from my parents is if I achieve and that's that's shaped all my actions right some people realize wow I'm trying to be a doctor because I I really don't trust God with my future and so I really all I want is that financial stability maybe some people are just like you know what keep trying because this is what you actually have for you the point i'm making is this is that when we lean into god in the midst of our hard seasons i can't tell you what's going to happen i can't tell you what god is going to do in your heart but i can tell you this is that when hard times come you can rejoice because you can lean into god and if you learn to spiritually endure alongside of him then he is going to do something in your heart that one of his chief aims in your life is to form the inside of you to become more like Jesus. And that doesn't stop when we graduate high school or college or when we become empty nesters or when we retire. That is a work that's coming until we go to be with Jesus for all eternity. That there is something that God wants to do in your heart, ways that he wants to change your character in this deep formational way. And that primarily happens in the context of spiritual endurance. And the reality is this, is that if we don't value endurance, if that's not something that we actually value, and then like the things that God wants to do in our lives, um, we're always going to try to replace endurance with what's easy and what's quick. Right. How many of y'all know you replace things that you don't value? Right. Like you brush your teeth. Right. You're, you drop your toothbrush on the ground. You're not like, oh, no, that toothbrush is so maybe if you buy one of those like really expensive, you know, like mechanical toothbrushes, you know, electric toothbrushes. But if you like me, you're getting the CVS brand, right? You're brushing your teeth. You're not like, oh, let me keep this because this is so valuable. No, you toss it in the trash because it's completely replaceable because I don't really have value for that individual toothbrush. And if you don't value, if you don't think about becoming a person who develops a spiritual endurance, who doesn't give up when things get hard then when things get hard, you're going to replace endurance with something else. And this is what I mean. Because we think, right, culture is hard equals bad, easy equals good. Your marriage gets hard. And it will be hard. God says, keep going, endure, fight for one another, communicate, go to counseling, talk it out, have the conversation, forgive, right? And so if you value endurance, there's all these opportunities for God to bring this restoration. But if you don't value endurance, you're just going to choose what's quick and easy. And then all of a sudden divorce looks very appealing. Or all of a sudden just closing off your heart emotionally seems very appealing, right? Maybe for you, you're hoping for a breakthrough in your life, some sort of freedom. 
an area of your life. And God says, keep going, keep enduring, keep fighting. Don't give up. Victory is coming, right? But if you don't value endurance, if you don't lean into God, then you're just going to end up with, well, I guess this is just the way I am. Right? Maybe a lot of y'all, I bet, are praying for someone in your family or a close friend who's far from God. And it's gut-wrenching for you. And you're praying and God's saying, keep going. Keep praying. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. But if you don't value endurance, spiritual endurance, then you're just going to give up and live disappointed. You're going to have a faith that's small enough to where you can control it. This is what I need you to realize. Is you are never going to step into the life God has for you by avoiding hard things. You're never going to step into the life God has for you by avoiding hard things. You see, in Christian, um, in Christian circles, I think what we especially need to realize is those things that we deeply long for, like connection, love, life, relationship, the things that are so, that make us come alive often aren't easy. And they have to be fought for. And we need to be a people who develop spiritual endurance so we don't give up. See, I think one specific way that in the church, too, we try to replace endurance is we try to uh, replace endurance with passion. And passion's good, right? God is honored by our passion. When we're in worship and we passionately worship God, he's honored by that. When we live passionately, God is honored by that. Don't get me wrong. I, I like to think I'm a very passionate person. Like, I love passion. But passion can never play the role in your life that endurance was meant to play. And this is what I mean, right? When we try to replace endurance with passion, this is what happens. Let's say you struggle with anxiety, right? I know no one in this room ever struggles with anxiety ever, right? Um, let's say you really struggle with anxiety and you've been praying about, God, would you grant me some freedom in this anxiety? Would you, would you make it better, right? If all we are is passionate, then we come on a Sunday morning, we're like, God, take away my anxiety. God, would you take it away? And you feel something shift in worship, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, maybe God is setting me free. Maybe I'm not going to be anxious anymore. Maybe something has changed. Maybe today is finally the day when something changes. And then you, and you're like, maybe, yes, something has changed. You come up here, you get prayer and you're like, awesome. God has done something. It's over. And then you walk out of the room and you're like, it's back. Has that ever happened to anyone before? insert your own struggle, insert whatever you're feeling with, where you feel like God did something. And in a moment of passion, you're like, God, you did this. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, it's back. What is that? Well, I'm not saying that's wrong. Can God do stuff immediately? Absolutely. Can God come and bring breakthrough in your life by having people come and lay hands on you? Absolutely. But this is what I'm trying to get you to see is that endurance helps us carry out the things that we are passionate about for our whole life. Then when we develop a spiritual endurance, then we are able to sustain things that are birthed in moments of passion. Right? So are you passionate about overcoming anxiety in your life? Then you need to become passionate about endurance. Because over time, what God is going to do as you endure with him is not only is he going to take away that anxiety, but he's going to reframe and rework your mind so that your mind is so different. So the things that were causing you anxiety are now dealt with in a different way. 
right? Like, do you have a relationship that needs restoration? You know, like a child, a sibling, you know, a parent, like a friend, a neighbor. And you're just like, I don't know where to go. Like and in a moment, you're like, God, would you just restore that relationship? Well, then guess what you're going to actually have to go do? Go and have a conversation with that person. And see, if you're passionate about having a restored relationship, then you need to become passionate about endurance because that is going to play out over the series of multiple conversations and multiple restorations. This is what I'm saying is passion is great and believing God can do something in a moment is great. But what God is after is to develop a people of spiritual endurance that won't give up. And so not only can he birth things and do things in a moment, but so that we can sustain them and live them out our whole life so that we actually what we experience experience in here and in holy spaces is actually live in the day in day out of our lives. GK Chesterton is an English uh, man of early 1900s. He did a lot of philosophy, a lot of theology and he wrote just kind of a lot of funny things and he 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 penned one of my favorite quotes and it's this. It says you can't grow a beard in a moment of passion. Think about that. You can't grow a beard in a moment of passion. I grew up my beard for about three months and I trimmed it two days ago. When I did, I immediately regretted it. I wanted to see my beard was like rainforest, you know, like it was like thick and it was like thick. And then I, this is like suburban yard beard. You know, it's like, like I wanted it to be a little longer. I took off too much. And then I was like, dang it. I did. I, I trimmed off more than I wanted to. Right. And this is what I knew. I didn't get in front of the mirror and go, and expect my beard to grow like it was Play-Doh you play with kids, you know, and like you put it in and the little spaghetti Play-Doh comes through the little things, you know. I didn't expect Chia Pet, you know, growth to just be able to come out of my beard. That was the, you know, that was the euphemism for you older people. Young people are like, what's a Chia Pet? Is that, is that, what, I, is that, is that what I order in my smoothie? Um, right, you can't grow a beard in a moment of passion. And this is what I need you to realize is that a lot of times we are asking God to do something in a passionate moment that he wants to birth through spiritual endurance. Right? He, we are asking God to do something in a moment that he wants us to walk out. Why? Because we want it quick and we want it easy. And when we are only open to God doing something in us immediately, what we actually have done is we've been shaped by the culture more than we even know. Because we've, all, we've worshipped at the altar of what's immediate and what's quick. Now, can God work immediately, quickly, and easily? Absolutely. But what does Romans 5 through through 5 tells us? Is that the deepest work is done in the context of spiritual endurance. So I want to bring back up Romans 5 through through 5 and read it through one more time and speak to the last section. It says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character. Now look at this. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You realize you've been going through your entire life and something that people have always told you is now be careful. Don't get your hopes up. Right? Like even as a parent, I find myself doing it with my kid. Hey, now don't get your hopes up. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to protect from disappointment. Right? Don't get your hopes up. I know you're applying for that job, but don't get your hopes up. 
I know you're believing for this breakthrough, but don't get your hopes up. Right? I know you're, you're going to try to take this step and be more generous and move towards tithing, but don't get your hopes up about finding, you know, like, don't get your hopes up, don't get your hopes up. But what this verse actually is saying is that when we endure with God, when we lean into God during difficult seasons, when life is hard, then we can actually get our hopes up. That we can get our hopes up without fear of disappointment. And, um, you know, I injured my ankle in high school. And uh, I injured it first play football season my sophomore year. And then so rehabbed it. Got back out there, and when I got back out there, if you've ever had an injury, you know this. The first time you try to do the thing you did that injured you, you're nervous. Why? Because you're afraid of re-injuring yourself. I remember getting down on my stance and planting off my left foot and trying to move laterally, and it was just like, well, what if it doesn't work the way it did? What was I doing? I was trying to guard myself from the disappointment that things wouldn't be like I wanted them to be. And a lot of us, when it comes to hope, right, we've hoped before and we've been disappointed. And out of fear of re-injury, we decide, I'm never going to hope again. I'm never going to hope. I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to put myself in that vulnerable spot again. But what this is saying, if we take Romans 5, 3 through 5, to mean what it says, is that we can hope again when, even when life is difficult. Because in the context of endurance, God is going to do a deep work of character in our heart. And then when that happens, we can hope without disappointment because our hope is not in a specific outcome, but our hope is rooted in God himself. And God so graciously and so kindly then pours out the Holy Spirit into our hearts, shouting, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. So, Ben, y'all can go ahead and uh, come up, and there's going to be prayer teams um, up here, and I'd love for you um, to consider getting prayer. And this is the last thing that I just want to really say is this, is I think at the core of this of these verses is this, is we need to be a people of hope, that as followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity to have a hopeful perspective, even in the midst of difficult seasons when life is hard. But this is what we got to realize, is that our ability to hope without disappointment is directly correlated to our willingness to endure. That when we are willing to endure, when we are willing to develop a spiritual endurance to not give up, that is when we can hope and not be disappointed. And so as we go back into this song, I just want to ask you this simple question. Is uh, there are areas in your life, perhaps, where in your mind you know you have lived in such a way to not get your hopes up out of fear of disappointment? I think uh, maybe even life is super hard right now, and you don't know what to do about it. I think this morning there is an invitation from God to say, what if we got our hopes up again? What if we got our hopes up again and that he would pour out a grace to endure even when life is hard? So if you all would pray with me. Jesus, we come to you now and we ask God for your spirit to come. I pray that you would be moving in our midst. And I pray for each and every person here, Lord, that wherever they're at, I pray, Lord, on this process um, that they would lean into you in these moments. Whether life's hard right now, life's easy, that there would be this leaning into you and that these moments would be some of those deep formational works that you want to do. 
that it would be the beginning of a lot of formational processes in people. And that right now, Father, that you would reveal any ways where people have have let their hopes drop down, where they've not they've lived in such a way to not get their hopes up out of fear or disappointment. I pray right now in your gentleness and in your kindness that you would come and in your loving kindness just say, let's get our hopes back up. Lord, we believe in faith that we can hope without disappointment.